Welcome to episode 200 of This Week in Linux, recorded live on June 4th, 2022. I'm your host, Michael Tunnell, and this is a Tux Digital Podcast. If you're new to the show, this is the podcast that will keep you up to date with what's going on in the Linux world, and I'll give you my take as a 20-year-plus Linux user. On this week's episode, we've got some distro news, app news, Linux smartphone news, and even a bit of core system news to talk about. All this and so much more coming up right now on your weekly source for Linux Good News. This episode of This Week in Linux is sponsored by DigitalOcean and by Bitwarden. Before we get started with the show this week, I just want to take a moment and celebrate this show has reached its 200th episode. I've been trying to come up with a way to celebrate this milestone. A few weeks ago, we celebrated the five-year anniversary with an ice cream social after the show on the live stream, and that was a lot of fun. But I also ate way too much ice cream, so we're not going to be doing that again this time. I also had an idea that I would do a reaction video of early episodes of Twill to see how different the show was back then. And interestingly enough, more people voted that I, they would prefer me not to do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure why exactly, but I thought it was kind of funny and interesting that that's what the result was. I still might do it at some point in the future, but not specifically for this particular milestone. I'm doing a regular show for this episode, as was requested by most of the comments. Uh, due to all the stuff on my plate, though, such as recording and editing this episode today, getting ready for Destination Linux Live tomorrow, the work on the network. Oh, for those who are not aware, who didn't see the news yet, Destination Linux Network has been renamed to the Tux Digital Network, and everything has been consolidated to TuxDigital.com to make it easier to find new episodes of your favorite shows, as well as discover new great content from the network. Plus, there's also the getting ready for the trip to scale in July. And if you actually, I don't, I don't think I've talked about it on this particular show. We talked about it on Twill or DL a few times, but I don't think I've mentioned it here on Twill. I will be attending scale or the Southern California Linux Expo at the end of July this year. And I'm looking forward to it as it will be my first time attending scale and even my first time visiting California. So that will be interesting. And well, anyway, I've decided to make the 200th episode celebration a patron perk, so if you are not a patron and would like to join the celebration, then you can do so by going to tuxdigital.com contribute. And if you're not watching the show live, you're watching the published version, well, you, you miss the celebration necessarily, but if you, if you still want to become a patron, you can do so and join me next week in the next patron-only post show as they happen each and every week after Twill. All right, so let's jump into this week's Linux Good news. Up first in the show this week is Inkscape. Inkscape is a very powerful open source vector graphics software available for Linux. And this week we're going to be talking about the latest version of Inkscape 1.2. 1.2 is the latest major Inkscape release, which brings many new features and new functionality. Now there's a lot of stuff to cover. We're not going to be able to cover everything. So we're just going to talk about some highlights. And if you want to learn more, you can find a link in the description or in the show notes. So the, the highlights we're going to talk about is, first of all, Inkscape documents can now hold multiple pages, which are now managed by the new page tool. There's also edible markers and dash patterns have been added to this version. Uh, Inkscape 1.2 also has merged the dialog systems for layers and objects. I haven't tried that myself, but that's very interesting because for me, as a person who is versed in the vector side, as also in the raster side of graphics, 
the difference between objects and layers is pretty annoying because people who use layers are way more organized than people who use just objects. So to have them kind of merged, I'm curious what exactly that means because, well, I want the people to be using objects organized better so that it's not so annoying to use those different files. But that's a whole other topic. Anyway, also a highlight for this release is on-canvas alignment snapping and uh, snap settings have been redesigned. There's a new tiling live path effect. They've also redesigned the export dialog with preview and ability to select objects, layers, pages, and even multiple file formats to export to, which is awesome because it allows you to have so much more control when you're exporting something inside of your project. Also, the selectable object origin for numerical scaling and moving has been added for this release. And all the alignment options are now consolidated into a single dialog, which is nice. Also, they've been consolidating for some gradient tools. So the, they've improved the gradients by adding dithering and also consolidating the eddings dialogs, as well as improve the SVG font editor and much, much more. So if you'd like to learn more about the latest release of Inkscape 1.2, links in the show notes. NixOS is a really interesting, unique distribution of Linux, but I have a feeling this topic is going to be pretty long, so I'm not going to go into details of how it's different and how it's unique. If you'd like to learn more about NixOS, then check out the episode 178 of Twill, where I described how it worked, what made it different, and all of that in a lot of detail. So you can check out that. I'll have a link to that segment for NixOS in Twill 178 in the show notes. But for now, let's talk about the latest release of NixOS 22.05. This comes with the latest version of the Nix Package Manager, which is 2.8, and this includes a lot of improvements and changes as well as better performance. And this version of Nix also introduces the Experimental Flakes feature, which allows you to specify code dependency in a declarative way by listing them in a JSON format, or which is also a flake file. For more details on what this means, link in the show notes. One of the biggest changes for NixOS 22.05 is the addition of a new, easier way to install the distro. They've introduced the use of the Calamari's installer, which will certainly make it much more easier to get started with NixOS. Uh, to quote the release manager for NixOS, improving the experience for new users is something that the NixOS project has been working on for a long time. After all, NixOS is very different compared to traditional distributions, and to make it easier to get started with new NixOS systems, a graphical installer based on Calamari's is now provided. Now, NixOS comes with two different desktop options, so if you can download the ISOs for either GNOME or KDE Plasma, and the GNOME version has 42.1, and KDE Plasma has 5.24 LTS. Now, there is one final thing that I wanted to address on this latest release of NixOS, and that is, of all things to talk about, the code name of this release is something I want to talk about because that code name is Quaka. In most cases, the code name of a project is not something that I would take the time to talk about, but this is an exception because Quakas are awesome. So back in 2012, I submitted the use of the term of the, the animal Quaka, for those who don't know, have ever heard of this, to Ubuntu for the release of 1210. But sadly, they chose something else instead. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with the choice of a Quetzal, but still, it's a missed opportunity. Because you may be wondering, why are you so hung up on a code name to bring up Ubuntu from 10 years ago? It's not the code name necessarily. It's, you see, my friends, the Quokka is the most adorable animal on the planet, in my opinion. This gives me the opportunity to introduce these awesome animals to those who have not heard of them before. 
Now, these animals, the quokkas, are only found on an island off of Australia. And for those listening to the audio-only version of the show, I'm going to be showing some photos in the video episode, so you want to check out the video edition of the show this week, I think. Or you could also just search online for quokka, Q-U-O-K-K-A, to see for yourself. So quokkas are so adorable that it doesn't seem like a real animal. However, it gets better because quokkas also seem to like selfies. That's right, they are adorable and are willing to help you explode your Twitter and Instagram views with selfies. Now that I've introduced you to the wonders of quokka, you'd like to learn more about NixOS 22.5 quote name quokka than links in the show notes. A true Linux-based operating system for mobile devices has been a dream of mine and many others for many years. There have been many great projects over the years to accomplish this, even going back to 2009 when Palm introduced the WebOS-based devices, which, by the way, were awesome, and I still have one in my backdrop behind me, so I'm a big fan of WebOS. And it's, it's kind of sad what happened to WebOS, and if you'd like to learn more about what happened with WebOS and also why it's awesome, then check out episode 209 of Destination Linux, where we talked about our collective fandom of WebOS and why we miss it. Link in the show notes. Currently, there are projects like Ubuntu Touch, Plasma Mobile, Postmarketer OS, and others, but there was one that seemed to be missing in the mix, and that is a mobile version of GNOME Shell. A lot of people feel that GNOME would fit great as a tablet or a phone interface, but GNOME didn't really seem all that interested in making such a project for a very long time. However, that seems to have changed as this week we got word about what work being done for GNOME Shell on mobile. To be clear, there was a project called Fosh previously that attempted to do something like this with GTK and GNOME stack, but let's just say it didn't meet expectations. Now, we don't know when this will be available for users, to try out, but based on the videos they provided in the blog post on gnome.org, I'll have linked in the show notes, it looks like it's pretty smooth experience and might not be that far out for testing. They will need to start testing it on various devices, but so far it looks pretty slick and I'm really excited to play with it. In fact, it reminds me of webOS a lot, and you can never go wrong with looking like webOS since that OS was awesome. If you'd like to learn more about GNOME Shell on mobile, then you'll find links in the show notes. And also be sure to check out episode 209 of Destination Linux podcast if you want to learn more about why WebOS was awesome. This episode of This Week in Linux is brought to you by DigitalOcean. Cloud computing can be, let's say, complex, but standing up reliable, affordable cloud infrastructure really doesn't have to be. At DigitalOcean, you can enjoy a comprehensive portfolio of compute, storage, database, and networking products that put your cloud infrastructure in capable hands so you and your teams can get back to doing what matters most, building world-changing apps that grow your business. With DigitalOcean, you also get predictable pricing, robust product docs, and services that developers love. That's DigitalOcean. Get support at every stage of growth. Whether you're a team of just one person or a team of a thousand people, with DigitalOcean, you get simple, powerful cloud computing, and you can get growing at DigitalOcean. And as a listener of the This Week in Linux podcast and a member of the Tux Digital community, you can get started for free. In fact, it's better than free because DigitalOcean is going to give you a $100 free credit when you go to do.co slash tux2022. That's do.co slash tux2022. And so again, just go check out DigitalOcean because they have an awesome cloud platform and you're going to be able to get started with a $100 free credit when you go to do.co slash tux2022. I want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of This Week in Linux. 
On previous episodes of Twill, we discussed the de-googled Android-based smartphone operating system slash E slash OS. One of the biggest issues with this particular Android alternative is, is its name. Creating a brand for your project or company isn't an easy thing to do, I get that. However, the existing slash E slash OS name is incredibly hard to search for. I know for a fact that I have covered it on Twill before, but when I was searching for like what episode it was on, it was difficult for me to find it on TuxDigital.com, which is the place that I have posted every episode of Twill, and the show notes should have made me possible to find it easier, but it, it wasn't. That just goes to show you that making a searchable brand is imperative, and slash E slash is not a great way for searching, because usually the slashes are ignored. So this week, I've got some good news related to this issue. The E Foundation is introducing the commercial site of slash E slash OS called Murina, Marina, Morena. Not sure exactly, but I want to call it Marina because it kind of reminds me of the dog food, Purina. Anyway, Marina is providing products and services related to EOS, cloud storage services to offer customers with a privacy-focused personal cloud storage solution. And also, the next part of their offering is likely the most interesting, is they are introducing a new smartphone called the Murina One. We are going to talk about this smartphone in a lot more details on the next episode of Destination Linux, so you don't want to miss that. But for now, let's talk about the basic hardware specifications for this particular phone. So the Murina One is a 4G LTE smartphone with 6.5-inch display. It has multiple rear cameras. It's got three rear cameras, a 48-megapixel, an 8-megapixel, and 5-megapixel sensors, and also a 25-megapixel front camera. It is powered by an octa-core processor and comes with 4 gigabytes of RAM with 128 gigabytes of storage. Now, the price of this device is also very appealing at just $379 USD. If you'd like to learn more about this, then be sure to check out the next episode of Destination Linux, which we'll be recording live tomorrow at 1 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time on TuxDigital.com live. Last week, we covered the announcement of the new HP Dev1 laptop that is in collaboration with System76 and uses PapaOS as the distro for the default operating system. Now this week, System76 announced that this laptop is now available for purchase. The HP Dev1 is powered by an AMD Ryzen 7 Pro 58580U processor with the integrated Radeon graphics, 16 gigabytes of DDR4 3200 memory, one terabyte of PCIe NVMe SSD, and a 1000 nit 1080p display. Unfortunately, at this time, there's only the 16 gigabytes memory option, but there's there's some kind of like there's basically reports basically saying that there's a possibility that it will have up to 64 gigabytes of RAM as an option and be upgradable. The HP Dev One is also priced at a super reasonable price for its hardware, and that is a 1099 or 1099 dollars and it's currently available right now. So if you'd like to learn more about this laptop, you can check out last week's episode of Twill 199, as well as episode 279 of Destination Linux, where we talked about it in much more detail when they first came out. Also, you can check the links in the show notes. There has been some interesting news as of late regarding the popular open source backup tool, TimeShift. And that is that Linux Mint is taking over development of TimeShift. So TimeShift was created and has been maintained for a, by a very talented developer named Tony George. Unfortunately, Tony is unable to continue development of TimeShift in the same way 
So he decided to do basically strictly bug fixes and maintenance updates. And in a recent blog post by Linux Mint, Clem, the head of Linux Mint, stated that system snapshots are at the heart of their, their update strategy, and with TimeShift being a core component of that update strategy, that they have reached out to Tony George and have come to an agreement where Linux Mint will be taking over development of TimeShift. Uh, time so TimeShift will now be maintained as part of Linux Mint's X apps, and its translations are now being done on Launchpad. Now, it's unfortunate to see the creator of TimeShift have to step away because he did a lot of great work with TimeShift, and TimeShift is a very nice backup tool, but I am happy to see that the development will be continued. I hope Linux Mint intends to continue the distro agnostic style of development that TimeShift currently has. I mean, I'm not saying that I expect them not to do that or make any changes that would cause any issues, but TimeShift is also used in multiple other distros, so I hope those distros can continue to do so if they want. That's why I was saying it. But... I'm really looking forward to see what Linux Mint can do with TimeShift. And if you'd like to learn more about this, I have links in the show notes. This episode of This Week in Linux is brought to you by Bitwarden. Get started right now with your free account at bitwarden.com tux. Bitwarden is an awesome password manager that allows you to have peace of mind knowing that your online accounts are secure. How does it do it? Well, Bitwarden provides you with tools to store all of your passwords in a secured vault, auto-generate those passwords, and even auto-generate usernames now, and also automatically fill in those passwords on login forms so you don't have to. You can also access your data across many different types of devices with your web browser, your mobile applications, desktop applications, or even on the command line. Plus, Bitwarden seals and encrypts your private data with end-to-end encryption before it ever leaves your devices so you know you're the only person with access to your data. So go to bitwarden.com tux to get started. And did I mention you can get started for free? Well, you can, but I also think you want to check out their premium account because... For less than a dollar per month, that's right, less than a dollar per month, you can get one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, Duo, Vault Health Reports, Bitwarden Authenticator for temporary one-time passwords, party customer service, and so much more. And you get all of this, again, for less than a dollar per month. That's a crazy good deal. Check it out by going to bitwarden.com tux. They've also released some new features that I think are really cool, so you can create not only generate passwords and generate usernames now, you can also now generate email addresses that are basically using a one of three different services like Firefox Relay, where you can have a kind of a redirector email that you can keep your regular email private from most systems or most services just in case. And that sort of thing is just really cool. And you can do it all right built into Bitwarden. So again, go to bitwarden.com slash tux to check it out right now. And thanks again to Bitwarden for sponsoring This Week in Linux. Flatpaks are great and my preferred universal format, but there are some things that are not super optimal for it. One of those things is permission settings of a flat pack are not easily accessible to change by default, but that's where FlatSeal comes in. FlatSeal is a cool flat pack app that allows you to change the permissions of other flat packs. Maybe you want to limit a flat pack and what it has access to, or maybe you want to give a flat pack more access to your system. This is what FlatSeal allows you to do. This week we saw the latest release of FlatSeal 1.8 as the latest stable release and this is introducing a lot of abilities for users to review and modify global overrides. This takes into account all sources of permission changes and displays them to the user when you look at application permissions. So basically, FlatSail isn't the only method of modifying permissions. KDE is also developing support for doing this directly inside of KE Discover, which is pretty awesome. And this also means that FlatSail will be able to support this 
this changing of inside of KDE Discover, so it ensures that you'll be able to see the changes made inside of either, which is pretty cool. In addition, Flatsail now highlights every permission changed by the user or globally, so you will see what the defaults are and what changes have been made much easier. Flatsail 1.8 also adds the ability to handle the creation of the overrides directory for those who want to install Flatsail through their distros repository rather than as a Flatpak app. And support for the new system-level color schemes in the GNOME desktop are also available in this release of Flatsail. There's also a lot more stuff to talk about in this, but, you know, we don't have time to cover everything. And if you'd like to learn more about it, check out the links in the show notes for Flatsail 1.8. Pulse Audio is a sound server for the Linux ecosystem, and it has been the default method of sound management for most distros for a very long time. This week, we saw the release of Pulse Audio 16.0, and this major release includes new features as well as performance improvements to this sound server. Now, the highlights of this release include audio being sent to the RTP modules can be compressed using Opus Codec now, uh, stereo output support for EPOS, Sennheiser, GSP, 660 USB wireless headset, and the SteelSeries game deck has been added. They've also fixed input issues for the TIMPCM2902 uh, powered sound cards. The tunnel latency is now configurable rather than being fixed to 250 milliseconds latency. And also tunnel modules can now re be reconnect to the remote servers. So there's also a lot more, but two other things I wanted to talk about is Pulse Audio's PACTL or PA control uh, command now can dump information into JSON formats for more automation and automation and scripting options, and as also as like a logging de uh, logging detail option. And another feature I'm top I want to talk about that I'm very happy to see is Pulse Audio 16.0 now supports reporting the battery levels of Bluetooth devices. This is very important. Because there's a lot of times where you have like a, a wireless Bluetooth headset that loses battery and the only way you know it is because it just dies. This will now be able to tell you in your system what battery level you have for those devices, which is awesome. So if you'd like to learn more about the latest release of Pulse Audio 16.0, links in the show notes. Speaking of audio management, as it stands now, Ubuntu will be switching to Pipewire by default with Ubuntu 22.10 for audio management. For those unfamiliar, Pipewire is a project that aims to greatly improve handling of audio and video under Linux. It provides a low-latency, graph-based processing engine on top of audio and video devices that can be used to support the use cases currently handled by both Pulse Audio and Jack. Pipewire was designed with a powerful security model that makes interacting with audio and video devices from containerized applications easy to do, including support for Flatpak apps, which is one of the reasons I'm a big fan of Pipewire. There's many, many reasons I'm a big fan of Pipewire. And one of the coolest things about it is that it isn't necessarily replacing Pulse Audio, but rather it works by utilizing features and functionality of both Pulse Audio and Jack, like I said earlier, so you can essentially get the best of both worlds with Pipewire. So you can get the, the basics that Pulse Audio provides as well as the pro options that Jack provides. Now, some people argue that Pipewire is not the same level as Jack in terms of latency and stuff like that, but seeing more distributions adopt Pipewire is fantastic because it means the more work being done on Pipewire, the better those things can be. Ubuntu 22.04 has both Pipewire and Pulse Audio running, and this is because Pulse Audio is still being used for the audio but Pipewire is being used for the video because Pipewire is required essentially for screencasting and screen sharing on Wayland. And this is great news because that means most, if not all of these major distributions will be using 
well, soon we'll be using Pipewire by default. And that will, like I said, increase the quality of Pipewire because increasing the development and focus of Pipewire, which is already awesome, in my opinion. And I was hoping that Ubuntu 22.04 would have it. And I know the reason for waiting was due to the LTS, but ultimately that means a significant percentage of users won't experience the awesomeness that is Pipewire for a couple of more years. And that's unfortunate. But with that said, I am happy to see that they've decided to do it for 22.10 and going forward, that's fantastic. And I can't wait to see what people who are in the Ubuntu space get to see the like all the great stuff about Pipewire and what they think about it. And if you'd like to learn more about this news or Pipewire in general, then you'll find some links in the show notes. Popularity can be a double-edged sword at times. In this case, Caden Live has been increasing in popularity over the years, which it does deserve completely since it is a great open source video editor. But unfortunately, this also has resulted in a piece of malware now pretending to be Caden Live. So Caden Live posted on their website that they were notified as of a site that is using Caden Live's name and likeness to distribute malware to users. Of course, the link to that website will not be in the show notes. But as a PSA, if you if a search lands you on a site offering something called Lightmoon or a video editor that looks li- identical to Caden Live, it might not be Caden Live. And in the case of Lightmoon. It's definitely malware. So Caden Live also reported that they have received reports from users that the creators of Lightmoon malware are sending out phishing emails encouraging users to download their infected software. So be on the lookout for that. Of course, be careful where you get Caden Live, but really the only legitimate sources for Caden Live are your distro repositories, well-established app stores like the FlatHub, and Caden Live's own download page at cadenlive.org. If you like more information about this and a link and the show notes will be found for the, the blog post from cadenlive.org. Thanks for watching this episode of This Week in Linux. And also thank you for making it possible for me to make this show up 200 different episodes. It's so awesome. And I can't wait to make more for you. And if you liked what I do here on this show, please like that smash button and be sure to subscribe. And if you'd like to support the show and the channel, we have multiple ways to contribute via Patreon, sponsors, and others. And you can become a patron by going to tuxdigital.com contribute. And if you do become a patron, you can join me during the live stream in the recording stadium to discuss stuff between topics and also hang out every week after the show in the patron-only post-show, especially this week with the celebration of 200 episodes. That's going to be fun. But also every week, you can do so in the patron-only post-show. You can also support the show by ordering the Linux as if it were a t-shirt or t-shirt. I did it again. Or this week in Linux t-shirt at the store by going to tuxdigital.com. Plus, while you're there, check out all the other great stuff with hats, mugs, hoodies, stickers, and much more by going to tuxdigital.com and clicking on the store link. I can't believe I said t-shirt again. It's been like a month since I did that. If you'd like some more podcasting goodness from me, then check out the latest episodes of Destination Linux and Hardware Addicts, as I'm a co-host of both of those shows on the Tux Digital Network. And just a reminder, this show is live every Saturday at 1 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time or 1700 UTC currently in this daylight savings part, to join us in the live chat room to discuss all the latest Linux news each week by going to tuxdigital.com slash live. And thanks again for watching. I'm Michael Tunnell with Tux Digital, and I will see you next week for another episode of your weekly source for Linux good news.